As I was putting together this podcast this week, I really wanted to finalize this mini-series. I actually I didn't really intend on it being a, a mini-series, but it ended up being a mini-series because it's a fascinating topic, and I think it's one that really sparks, at least for me, it really sparks my mind and my interests, and I love philosophical questions that are really hard to answer. And so naturally, between shows, I was I was thinking about this, and you might have been thinking about this too, but the big question that comes to mind is, can you win the war within? Is this something that you can win? Is it, is, is there, is it like a game? And at the end of the game, there's some points and you can feel good about yourself and you pat yourself on the back and I don't know, get a trophy or, you know, something along those lines. And the more I thought about this topic, the more I thought about this question, the more I realized that I don't think there is a way to win this war. I don't think it's something that you can win. And this isn't a, a cynical outlook. It's it's more of like, I don't know if you play golf or maybe a life, what I would call lifelong sport, but golf or poker, these are things that you never really finish. They're never things that you, you can walk away saying, I completely conquered and mastered this game because I think that's the thing about these lifelong games is that that's that's the point. It's not like if you play golf, you're ever going to get a score of zero, right? And it's not like if you uh, play poker a lot, you're always gonna like walk away with money, like a hundred percent guarantee you're gonna walk away with some money, right? So there's no uh, guarantees in those games, and I don't think there's really any guarantees in our lives. And I don't think we win the war, and I don't really think that's the point because. To win the war within means that we've mastered ourselves. And I guess you could make an argument for, you know, someone reaching enlightenment, right? Or somebody, uh, yeah, reaching enlightenment or just becoming like a, like a Buddha or, you know, somebody like a, like a saint. Because that maybe at that point, and I don't know what it's like to be a saint, and I don't know many people, if any, uh, that are saints or, you know, Buddhas. Uh, or that have reached enlightenment. I don't know them, but I would, I would, I would question they would. I would question the fact that they, even they would admit that they had conquered themselves. And so I don't think the point of the war within is to to necessarily win it. I think we play the game enough to where we feel really good about it. You know, we we reach a, a happy place, if you will. And I think that's that's more or less the point of really life is is finding your groove finding your you know finding your groove or just finding that that way that path i'm reading the dao jing right now and uh so the, the the way and the path of righteousness and that kind of thing that's been on my on my mind recently but i, I think the point is to find some sort of groove or path and get to a place that you're happy but also at the same time you know, not settle for what is less than, you know, who you are or how you value yourself, right? So perhaps, like a lot of the things I think about, it's a loaded question. But I don't think we win, and I think we get to a place, our happy place. And for for me, it's really about finding that path, finding that why, 
find, you know, giving yourself that sort of cause. I've mentioned this a lot uh, on the podcast recently because I do think that giving yourself purpose, and that's the that's the key phrase there. That's the operative word is give. Uh, you don't find it. You give it to yourself. And I don't want to, I'm going to try my best not to sort of um, rehash the same ideas, but it's really hard to do when you're talking about uh, this subject, because that's really all there is, is, is giving yourself that path and giving yourself those tools so that you can succeed and then and then playing the game and practicing and getting experience right just like if you were to uh, play golf or play poker or pick up anything really it takes a lot of hours of practice to get good at something programming uh, learning a new language I mean it takes a really long time of diligent practice to get good at something and so I don't think like I said before uh, I don't think that this is a, a war that we can, we can necessarily win, and I don't think that's the game. That's the point, and I think that's fine. I think that's that's okay. So, you know, how do you get to a place that you're happy with? You know, how do you how do you define that? And I really find that in my experience, that finding that place is entirely subjective. I don't think there's a sort of a cookie cutter approach uh, necessarily that would work 100% of the time. I mean, uh, last time I checked, the personal development industry was like something like 13 billion, uh, which is a pretty good size market. But if you think about that, and you don't need me to tell you this, if you're into personal development, that there's tons of books, everybody has a way, including me, right? But that's also means that includes you right? You have a way, you have your own sort of path that you can follow or give to yourself. And that's, I think, the game. And I think the game to to give yourself that path is to think about things that seem unrealistic, you know, think about things that, uh, that, 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 because w- the reason why is because I think our, our version of realism, uh, we hold all too dear and I think that we shortchange ourselves a lot when we think in sort of realistic terms, especially about the things that we want, you know, because to think realistic means to put limits. And yes, there are limits you should have. There are definitely limits you should have. But I think we limit ourselves way too much when it comes to the things that we actually want in life. And, you know, I, I hear that all the time uh, with people that I work with, uh, people that, and when I say work with, you know, my clients of people that I coach, but also, uh, you know, just, I hear it every day, you know, being at a coffee shop or really anywhere else in a public setting, you know, we talk about our, our dreams and then it's like, we say we want to do something, but then we immediately come up with reasons why we can't do it. And I, I get that, but I also think that we use the reasons why we can't do something as sort of like, that's a definitive thing. It's like a definitive answer. And, you know, once we say those words, it's like truth. And I, again, I just, I think that that becomes more of a excuse not to succeed, right? Because success with success comes responsibility. And I think that's what really scares a lot of people is, is not the is not the the fear of, of necessarily failure, but it's the it's the question of what if what if you're successful, right? Like what if you succeed? Then what does that mean, right? You're in a totally new place because 
we can accept failure at some point, right? We can accept certain things when we're like, okay, well, we failed, you know, we'll just try again someday, right? Like that's comfortable. That that's that's a territory that we know. What about territories we don't know, right? Like new levels of success that we haven't that we've only thought about or dreamed of, but haven't quite attained. Like what if we attain those levels? Then what kind of meaning does does our life have, right? We because in a way you go from living in sort of a small box and now you're in a much bigger box and there's a lot of unknown room. And that I think to a lot of people the unknown is scary and the responsibilities of succeeding can seem intimidating because I don't think that the more you get successful that I don't necessarily believe the easier it becomes. I think that a lot of things do become easy and I think you sort of reach a new level of comfort, but I don't necessarily think that uh, life gets easier per se uh, although I suppose it could, but I don't think it gets um, easier by and large because, like I said, with more success typically comes with more responsibility. So, you know, for example, if you uh, find somebody you love and you get married, right, and you haven't been married before, boom, that's a whole new level. And guess what that just opened up for you? Possibility of having kids, right? And And any sort of new parent knows this, and they know that, you know, right before having a kid, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much doubt that goes through your mind. Can I, can I afford, you know, can I afford this? Can I, you know, am I going to be a good, good father or a good mother? Right? Like we have so many questions. And then, you know, you talk to parents that have had, you know, one or two kids and, you know, it's fine, especially by, I always hear this joke about, uh, parents that have, it's not really a joke, but parents that have, you know, two or three kids are like, after the second one, it's just, they're fine. You know, kids are resilient, right? But it's the first one where they're like, oh my gosh, you know, we might break it. So I think that we don't necessarily, um, I think that we, by and large, have a fear of success more so than a fear of failure. Because when we fail, I think it's something that you know, we've all failed at things from time to time. It's something I think we can sort of get over. Um, but when we reach new levels of success, it, it becomes a whole new territory. It's like uh, visiting a, a you know new country really without maybe much of a roadmap or knowing how to speak the language. I think we feel a little intimidated in this new sort of space. And we might even feel like we're an imposter, right? Like I used to be a dating coach. And I guess I still help guys with that, but um, you know, I used to do this uh, a lot with with men, and every time they, you know, landed a relationship that they never thought they could be in, it was like they immediately feared that they would lose it. Right? Talk about fear of success. They would immediately fear that they would lose it. Why? Because they haven't had it before, and it was a whole new level, and they didn't really feel like they knew what they were doing, even though I think deep down that you could have pulled that out of them. But there was it was their mind was in the way. Right? They feared their new level of success. I, I know some people that, you know, all of a sudden made a lot of money and they started freaking out about, well, what happens when it leaves? What happens when it's gone? What happens if that money isn't there anymore? And so I think when we obtain, or, or, or think about when you get a new job, right? Maybe you just got a big promotion. Um, maybe you just left your other job and then landed a better paying job with more responsibilities, right? Immediately you walk in and I'm not saying everybody does this because that would be false, but I think a majority 
of us feel that intimidation when we step into a new arena and we don't quite know it that well. So we, we sometimes question ourselves of, do I actually, you know, do I actually, uh, do I actually own this? Do I, do I, do I, do I belong here? Right. Do I, do I belong here? Can I make it that kind of thing? And so the war within is a progressive evolution, if you will. I don't think we stop learning. I don't think, I mean, I don't think unless we're completely closed minded, I just don't see how we can not learn something new. Uh, even closed minded people, you know, get a little bit wiser each and every year. So I don't think that we stop learning, which if we, you know, if we don't stop learning, that means we continue to grow. So yeah, I, I don't think we necessarily win this war. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Now, one thing I do want to um, mention, and if I haven't mentioned this before in another podcast, because it's been a while and I, and I don't remember, but um, if I haven't mentioned this before, I think that some of the key ingredients for success, some key ingredients for having fun in this game, uh, really boil down to uh, the four core areas of your life, which are your health, your money or your wealth, uh, your time and your relationships. And they're not in that order, right? Because I guess, well, I guess if you were to categorize it, it would be probably your health, relationships, your time, and then your money, right? Uh, if you wanted to categorize it, but it's really up to you on what's, what's most important. You might be really healthy, but suffer in relationships, or you might be really great in relationships, but maybe suffer with time. Um, or you're really good with your time and you're really good with relationships, but you, you know, are, uh, not doing so hot at work, or maybe you're doing so good at work that it's affecting all three areas, your health suffering, your relationships are suffering because of it. And because you don't have time, your stress levels are going up, right? So we all play in those four boxes and those boxes, you know, sort of, they have an influence on each other, right? Because if we're feeling, if we're healthy, then we generally feel, you know, more confident, which helps us out in our relationships, which can help us out in work and so on and so forth. So it's in, it's interconnected. It's interconnected. But from, for a while, I've been sort of obsessed with finding the absolute perfect system, if you will, for, you know, self-sustained success. I've been obsessed with trying to find that system. And I've, you know, I've read so many books and I mean, I've got, uh, I should, I, well, I've got enough to fill probably a large bookshelf of books and that's not including, you know, my, uh, audible, uh, collection, which is what I do now. And that's not an advertisement by the way. Um, really good program, <clears throat> but I think that, uh, so I, I've been, there's a, there's gotta be a path. And, and I've been thinking about that a lot. And I, and I think that for me, it's very, much I need systems, right? I need I need something to tell me what I need to do and where I need to go and how to do it. Cause otherwise I I I'm just sort I feel lost. You know, I don't feel like I really have a grasp or really in control any in anything unless I have unless I systematize it. And so I've I've spent a lot of many years thinking about it. And the one thing I do know is that you're always gonna have your health, your relationships your time and money. You're always going to have that. And they're always going to be, you know, and sometimes they're, they're going to be really successful in other areas and some areas are going to fall really, really short. And that's going to be really sort of subjective to, you know, who you're talking to or who's 
you know, dealing with those four areas. But I do know that those four areas are something that makes us common and it's something that we all deal with. So there's those four areas. Now, that's the broader strokes, right? Because in, in those four areas, you could have different kinds of goals, right? You could have health goals, you could have relationships goals, you could have money goals, you have time goals, maybe you want some more time back, etc. So those are, I think are the four basic building blocks of our lives, at least in, you know, this century. And, and for my lifetime, those are going to be the, the building blocks of, of my life. And they're the building blocks of your life too. And it's up to you to figure out which area are you, for lack of a better term, suffering in, because those areas that you suffer in have an impact on a lot of things. It could be your uh, you know, long-term health or your confidence or your ability to earn more money or just being able to enjoy your life. I mean, those can ha- those have real-world consequences. And so those are the four building blocks. And how I manage myself uh, is through apps, basically. I used to be a pad and a pen and a pen and paper. Uh, you know, you've heard me talk about this before, and I'm sure I'm going to say this a million more times, but the day starts the night before, uh, you know, so when you plan out your day the night before, that way when you wake up, you already know what you're going to do. And I think a lot of people wake up stressed, right? I know so many people that wake up with the absolute bare minimum to, they have enough time to basically shit shower and say, shave and eat and they're out, right? And like eating sort of optional. So pardon my French, but that's basically... Uh, how a lot of people live and they, you know, they'll hit snooze until they're basically they they realize that the last snooze that they just hit means they have no more time left and then they're rushing and like you're just starting your day so rushed, starting your day so rushed and your mind's racing and then if you run into traffic, it's those assholes fault, right? And then you get to work late and you're already flustered and then the first email you open is, you know, customer being rude or somebody just you know, just not being cool. And then that angers you more. And then this is just a snowball effect, right? So at what, at what category would this be, would this fall under, right? Cause that's a symptom, right? That's a symptom that starts a snowball effect that causes real life problems, right? Because when you're mad and you're angry, you don't make that good decisions. And, you know, we've all sent an email that we didn't want to send or wish we could retract. And we've definitely all said things that we wish we hadn't. So, you know, what, what do you think? What category would that fall under? Well, you probably already guessed it. That's time, right? You could categorize it as mental health because there is some mental health things going on there, but like not taking care of your mental health would be another one. But really, it's just not giving yourself time, right? You're not managing time effectively because, you know, in this example, it seems like snoozing for eight more minutes really makes a difference when it really doesn't. Uh, there's no scientific study that says snoozing is you know, really effective and people should do it more often. There's no data on that. It's a mental thing. So, you know, that would be an example. Uh, and, and, and listen, like, what if you what if you gave yourself time in the morning? What if you just enjoyed two cups of coffee? You know, that's my thing. Um, or read a little bit. You know, what if you just gave yourself 15 more minutes to get ready so that by the time you're walking to your car, you're actually leaving earlier than you would have, maybe by five minutes, because five minutes can uh, be a lot, you know? So there's these four areas, and we all have 
struggles in those areas and they oscillate too because you know you might get a really great relationship and then your health starts suffering right or your time starts suffering uh, or you know maybe your money starts suffering so it sort of oscillates but if you're not aware of these four quadrants if you're not aware of where you are in in relation to these four areas then you're going to have a lot of problems that you're just not you're not really aware of you might blame outside circumstances for the way that you're living and that's not a key ingredient, you know, for success. It's not like really highly successful people blame outside circumstances. Uh, well, most most highly successful people don't necessarily blame outside circumstances for, you know, their shortcomings or, you know, whether they succeed or not. At least that's what I'd like to believe. And that's how I choose to live my life. So I used to have a pen and paper and I, I would write down what I want to do. Uh, the next day. And what I like to do is to free up your mind of useless noise. So as much as you can free up your mind from useless chatter and worry, uh, the more happier you're going to have a day, you know, the more, the, the better the days, the higher, you're going to have a higher quality day. And one of the ways I found to do that, because I, I, if I don't write stuff down, if I don't have like sort of lists, I start to think about all these items and I don't think it's very healthy. So I started very early on a few years ago to just at the end of every day, just write down my priorities for the next day. And I actually just started doing that at work. Uh, I started at work and I would write down my priorities for the next day. So if I didn't com complete the things I wanted to get done, I'd put it on a sheet of paper. That way when I walked into the office the next day, I would do those things first before I did anything else. And that way it was, you know, kind of a, like a well-oiled machine. And I found that that really helped because then I managed my projects better. I managed my time better and I got more done and I was happier because of those things. And I, then I was thinking, well, how can I apply that to my life? And so I started applying that to my life. And what's nice and what I'm getting at is you can structure your day so that you know exactly where you're going, what you're going to be doing and at what time. And some people feel like, wow, that's like living in a box. And I'm just telling you for me, and I know there's others like that out there, that this is freedom in my mind. Uh, this is this is freedom. I think structure um, is freedom in a way because it, it frees your mind from having to think about things. It gets you closer to your goals because you're, you know, you're more on point. You know exactly where you're going. It's like, it's like trying to, it's like trying to be in the middle of a jungle and getting to, you know, uh, the, you know, the other side. And it's the difference between having a map and not having a map, right? Or having a guide and not having a guide. And I think having structure is a guide. And I think when you start to systematize your life in terms of habits, you know, goals, and then breaking those down into daily action, I think that you can start living really successfully and just feel good. I know that when you can visualize your success, whether you're crossing stuff off or just, you know, there's apps like Way of Life where you can go through it and just mark things off that you did. Um, you just start to feel really good because it's it's when we sort of think about our successes, it's not the same as visualizing. If you could put a numerical number on each and every day on, you know, score it and tally it, you'd have something to compare it to. It'd almost be like a sports game in a way like, oh, man, I got got a 87, you know, today. Sure, that's pretty good. But shoot, I'm going to go for 90 tomorrow. You know, that kind of thing. I think that if you could systematize your life, if you could uh, live in a way that doesn't necessarily make you feel trapped, because I have friends that hate making plans and they just want to, you know, kind of wake up and, and see where the day takes them. I admire that. 
and they're successful. So I'm not saying that my way is the right way. What I'm saying is finding your way, it will be your right way, right? And really all I'm doing is is being a conduit of ideas. And I have my, my own, such as, you know, starting the day the night before. Um, I have habits in the evening uh, that usually involve stress-reducing uh, uh, stress kind of activities or just more, I guess, relaxation type of activities. I like to stretch my body because uh, I lift. Uh, early in the morning. So it feels good at night just to stretch your muscles, release all that tension, you know, that gets stored up during the day. And then I usually like to do about a 15 minute meditation, you know, outside of my balcony. I think I've talked about that before. And then I like to do some light reading, you know. Uh, And to me, that's a, it's a really nice way to wind down your evening. But it's those small things that you do that can take care of your health. They can take care of your time. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I do is uh, when, with relationships is always, I always make sure I connect with my wife, uh, you know, every day, you know, we usually busy during the day, so we don't really talk or text much, but at the night, at night it's, we're telling stories and we're really connected and we're not on our phones and, you know, don't have the TV on. We're just talking and connecting and it's, it's beautiful. And so, and then for, Uh, money and just something I check usually in the mornings or in the evenings, you know, check your accounts, check your spending, uh, you know, and, you know, ask yourself, you know, am I, am I on track or if I'm way off track and if I'm off track, then what am I doing? Right. And you kind of dig through it, but I don't spend too much time worrying about it. It's usually a, you know, maybe a 30 minute check here and there. So what is your path? What is the things or what are the things that you would like to do to stay on track? And, you know, that might be a tough question. You might ask yourself, well, I don't really know. And how you find out is you sort of reverse engineer your life. And I'm pretty sure I talked about this earlier. Again, my memory, my my long-term memory is not good. And my short-term memory, it's so-so. But what you want to do is you want to Uh, sort of reverse engineer your life and you want to work backwards. So it's not about looking into the future, seeing where you are, and then just sort of working your steps from where you are now to that future. It's more about envisioning your future and then working backwards. You pick the steps that you take starting from your end goal and you'd work backwards so that you can clearly see the, the, the path. So for example, you know, a lot of people dog on five year plans and I do too. Uh, to a degree, but I also find that if you reverse engineer your life in a five-year period, you'll really make more progress than you would if you didn't do this. And basically the way it works on is you start with your five and then work your way back backwards. So your five goals, um, you have your year five goals and it's your year four goals that lead to year five and year three leads to year four and year two leads to year uh, three and so on and so forth. So find your path that way and then live that path you know i think you'll feel a lot less guilty about some of the things that you do and people don't like to talk about guilt and there's a certain population that doesn't feel guilt or shame or embarrassment and that's fine Uh, but then there's i think a large percentage of us that do feel guilt and shame about either how we're living or about how we have lived you know so past things and i think that when we do live with guilt and shame, it's because on some level, we don't feel like we're living in accordance to who we know ourselves to be. 
which would be things like honest or, you know, some pick some of those high minded values that we have. And if you find yourself not living up to those or, you know, doing actions that you know aren't healthy for you or good or they somehow lower your value, then you feel sort of shame, embarrassment and guilt. And so I found that when you live in accordance to who you are, uh, that really helps. But you have to also know who you are to begin with. Right. And that can be an evolving thing. You know, and it is an evolving thing. You know, who I thought I was five years ago is not the same person I am now. Just like who you probably thought you were five years ago likely isn't the same person you are now. There's some similarities, so I'm not saying they're completely different people. Um, But as you grow, you learn, and as you learn, you maybe form some new ideas. So what is your path? Who do you want to become? And then plan your life around that path. Take those goals and turn it into something measurable. Visualize your success. And I promise you, when you visualize your success, then you may not win the war within, but you'll feel pretty damn good about it.